This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Moment of silence. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Monday, May 16th, 2022. I don't know how your weekend was, but let me tell you how mine was. I was watching some games, very excited for all the game sevens yesterday, and trying to wrap my arms around the news of the weekend, the number of mass shootings that took place this weekend in Buffalo, in Milwaukee, more that happened yesterday at a church, Houston, Chicago. And then the Bucks are lining up to start their game seven in Boston. And the announcer said, and now we will have a moment of silence. And the moment of silence is going to be for everyone to think about all of the tragic loss that has occurred in Milwaukee and in Buffalo. And then they show the Milwaukee players going down the line and they show the Celtics players going down the line because there's a cameraman. The moment of silence happens one of two ways in sports. It either is team generated or league generated. When there is something that happens that is a worldwide event that requires more than just the local team to acknowledge it, it becomes a league generated moment of silence and you get a memo which says, at the following games, and it will list each game for a specific team, your game on Tuesday, you know, November 4th at 7 p.m., you will have a moment of silence. That memo comes into the president, who then gives it to both the baseball department and to the in-game entertainment department so they can work out their timeline. Then the broadcast network gets the timeline that is generated by the team and the league, and everyone knows that there's going to be a moment of silence. Boston was pretty good about it. No one yelled anything. In New York, I've been in some moments of silence where people are yelling, pot fan sucks in the middle of a moment of silence. GTS, if you don't know that reference. But I started thinking during that moment of silence, what are we doing? And I did something while watching the beginning of the Celtics-Bucks game, watching the Bucks take an early lead. I was on my phone, and I was searching and reading about the concept of thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers are words that you've heard me talk about. They're interesting words individually, 
It's very good to think. It's very good to pray. doesn't matter who you're praying to. doesn't matter what you're thinking about. But it's always good to think and pray. Because to the extent that that can impact an outcome, you might as well do everything within your power to get a desirable outcome. If the information in your head is incorrect about what, like if the math equation has incorrect variables and assumptions, you can do an entirely correct process and get a bad outcome. So I'm aware of that. That's how mistakes are made. But if you put all the right numbers in, think about it the right way, calculate it the right way, do the right things, then your outcome changes and it becomes what it should be. I'm not sure the scenario under which thoughts and prayers will lead us to any outcome at all that is positive because now we have tested that theory enough times that when tragedy happens, the knee-jerk response is for everyone to get on Twitter or Instagram or everywhere they can and say thoughts and prayers to the victims of the mass shooting in Buffalo. That was everywhere. So then I wanted to think about what actually could I do on Nothing Personal with the audience that you are so generous to be our audience every single day? Are you tired of thoughts and prayers? Because I am. And if you're not tired of them, I'd like you to explain it to me, right? Get into Twitter. We'll talk about it. I'm just curious. For those people who come at me with Second Amendment arguments, I understand. I'm not trying to take away your handguns. But what happened in Buffalo is an 18-year-old kid, a racist 18-year-old kid who had prepared a 100-page document outlining all of the things that he wanted to do, which basically can be, if you really winnow them down, he was interested in making sure there were no blacks and no Jews because that would really be helpful to white people. So then you dig a little deeper and you start reading about, and I hope you did, the great replacement theory. It's being talked about. White voters are being replaced. Has anybody looked at the turnout percentages? I mean, I'm just asking, just FYI. I'm not sure anybody's getting replaced. There's quite a amount of room for everybody. And I don't mean that in a political way. I don't mean that in an actual space way or a property way. I mean just in a voting way. We're not at 100% capacity. That's, that'd, be, that'd be something if our founding fathers had said, the total number of votes are going to be 600 people. Now, they did that with your Senate and with your Congress, right? The House and the Senate, the number of senators and the number of representatives. That's true. They all get their jobs from you who vote. So this whole replacement theory is something that gives me a tummy ache, regardless of where you are. But any theory that gets perpetuated by anybody in the media, it's so dangerous because it's so wrong. I don't mind when people argue against me or have a different point of view that I have on myriad issues from stadium financing to sports to death, death penalty to pro-choice, whatever great discussion you want to have guns i'll have every discussion and i will never ever disparage you for not agreeing with me or for having a different opinion ever but when you come to me with something that is just misinformation and it's promulgated by the media who is taking advantage of the fact that the majority of people don't care that it's wrong they just care that they've heard someone else say something that they think in their own myopic way and therefore, racism continues. 
hate crimes continue. And an 18-year-old gets access to an automatic weapon and people are dead. There's so many ways to bite it. You can get cancer when you least expect it and you die. You can have some genetic disease. You can get run over by a car. You can die in a plane crash. You can die naturally. You can die crossing the street. You can die getting run over by a damn city bike on 2nd Avenue. I get it. Many ways, many ways. You can party all weekend in Vegas and all of a sudden go because your body can't take it anymore. But what if the biggest problem that our country faces is that all of these artificial ways of dying are becoming to take over the natural ways. Now, natural ways can be artificial, right? You get run over, that doesn't seem natural. But I still feel like that's quite a bit more natural than going grocery shopping and getting shot in the head or going to church or going dancing or going to a basketball game as they did in Milwaukee. So when you are deciding when you're watching sports, the escape of sports, and you hear a moment of silence, and you're thinking to yourself, is this in honor of someone who died? Is this in honor of someone famous who died? Or is everybody famous who died to somebody, even if you're only famous to the four people in your family versus the 40 million who love you and who listen to your music or who watch you play sports? Everybody carbon dates down to zero, right? Carbon date is when it's like a carbon half-life. You, you never get to zero is the true math, math, but if you take half of a number and then half of a number and then half of a number, over time, that number becomes super duper small. It's never going to go to zero, right? But it's going to become, you know, you can barely measure it. That's sort of what we are as time passes, right? There's a time when everybody knows who Bob Lanier is. Bob Lanier passes away and it registers a, a blip for some people, not a blip for others. I asked you on this show many years ago how many of your great-grandparents you could name. Out of your eight great-grandparents, how many can you name? And the number of people who can name all eight is zero, maybe one, maybe one percent. So let's say we're parents and then become grandparents, great-grandparents. We're pretty close to have living down carbon dating to zero. So therefore, what do you want to do? Do you want to take a position? Or do you want to ignore it? Do you want to think about things during your moment of silence and say, what can I do better? What should be changed? Or do you want to say, not my problem? It's the same with climate change, right? Everyone's doing the same calculation of sea level rise in Miami. Is this going to happen during my child's life? Or are we 100 years away or 200 years away when Miami's underwater? Or maybe everyone's full of crap and it's 500 years away. Or maybe it doesn't matter because we're going to get hit by some sort of asteroid and the dinosaurs are going to come back. So just buy the piece of property right now and forget the sandbags and take the money and use it on something else if you are the local government. It all makes sense. It all ties together. And I wanted to tell you that this weekend, I had an epiphany of sorts when I was watching and listening to that moment of silence, when I was thinking about my views of guns and what's going on with people and kids, this kid in Buffalo, the system missed him. The number of people get missed by a system who then go on to commit crimes, it's still the kid's fault, but man, the system could have found him and caught him and kept him. So I was thinking about what role do we have? 
and what do we do with that role? And then my crazy thought process got us back to the 20, 2020, 2021, when everything became more cancel culture, more woke, and we talked about use of platform. Do you have one person to talk to? Do you have a million people to talk to? Everything goes together. So here is my proposal on a random Monday, given that we just had a weekend from HE double hockey sticks. I don't care if you like sports or hate sports. I don't care if you are conservative or liberal. None of it matters to me. If you wake up this morning on a Monday morning and you look back on this weekend and you say, hey, it's J-A-W. If that's really your thought that it's just another weekend, fast forward like two minutes. But if by chance you woke up today grumpy, a little tired, a little foggy, and you said, now we start, it all boils down. Every issue, every problem boils down. Ready? Down, 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 down. Vote. David, why do you always do that, Coca says. Why do you always have to hit people over the head with voting? Why is it that we, is that the answer to everyone's dream? We just have to make sure we have the right people at local, state, and federal representation. Is that everything? No, but it's all we got. And when you do the analysis and you come to the conclusion that there is only one conclusion, when you realize that in order for you to effectuate change, you can lift all the sandbags you want on Washington Avenue and Collins Avenue. You can do everything you can to make sure that every woman has a choice to do with her body what she wants in whatever state she's in. You can start a clinic, you can take away the guns, you can make sure that you are taking care of every, if you see something, say something, they have a mental, there's a mental problem, we're gonna bring it up and we're gonna make sure they don't get lost in the system. You can do all that. The biggest change is the people that you cede control to are the people who get voted into office. And all the political talk, whether it's you're watching Fox or CNN or MSNBC, whatever you're watching, everyone's trying to put into your head, it's all about the midterms, we gotta be careful of the midterms. We'll see if Trump's candidates do this, we'll see if Democrats finally say, let's control, let's make sure that women get to control their own body. Let's find out who the one issue voters are, let's do a deep dive into guns and who gets guns and who doesn't get guns. We'll put a Second Amendment person right next to a person who had their sister killed by a random bullet in Milwaukee. Let's get them all together, get them as guests. And then you'll do another show tomorrow. Tired of doing another show tomorrow. It just makes me quite sad that our entire society is okay with this weekend. Because God forbid you show any weakness or show any willingness to listen to anyone who doesn't think or do the exact same things you think or do. Go turn on the TV one day and see. Go turn on shows. Everybody's preaching to the choir. Does that work? Is that good? Does that grow your business? When this country was founded, go watch Hamilton if you want to learn a few lessons. The three branches of government are pretty fascinating to me, right? The legislative branch, the judicial branch, and the executive branch. The legislative branch are what we're talking about, Congress. The judicial branch are all those people in the black robes, right? And then the executive branch, that's the guy who lives in the White House. 
So there's three branches of government for a reason, and they work together in this extremely complicated yet so simple way that's supposed to serve as checks and balances. And the way rules happen, think about your sports and how different rules happen in sports, right? So enough people got hit in the head with a hockey puck that they said, we have an idea, even if you're Ron Duguay, why don't you just wear a helmet, right? That would make sense. And then some people got grandfathered in like Barry Beck and Ron Duguay saying, I don't need to wear a helmet. And then they get clonked and they're like, ah, maybe I should wear a helmet. Same thing in baseball, right? In baseball, there were no helmets. You just wore caps when you were at the plate. People are throwing 80. You get hit in the noggin. Oh, I think we could invent something that could make things better, right? So in a society with laws, that's what happens. Laws evolve. They evolve when circumstances change, when new items are brought to light, when new thought processes are brought to light. And one of the big arguments that people have all the way up to the Supreme Court is whether or not we go by the, quote, letter of the law. The letter of the law is code for if it's not in the Constitution, it does not exist. The Constitution is a document. I call it a living document. Some people just call it a fully formed done document, but not dumb, done. So you read through the Constitution and you look for all different things and then you look for judges and how they apply provisions in the Constitution. It seems normal. There's disagreement, of course, between people, depending on where they are in the political spectrum. But the process, that seems right. There's another process in law that came up this weekend that not enough of us think about. What's the number one thing when you're home and you're having an argument with your sibling and then your parents walk in the door and you're arguing and you're trying to give your side to your parents? What do you want to make sure exists? Top five answers on the board. A hundred siblings surveyed who are having an argument in front of their parents. What is the number one thing that you want to make sure? We're sitting down. What? Sitting down. All right. Number one thing you want to make sure. Take it. It's yours. That my parents are listening. Parents listening. Ding. Number three. Not bad. Do you want to play or pass? We're going to play. All right. Top five answers on the board. What do you want to make sure your parents are doing while you are arguing to them? I've got it, Steve. I've got it. I want to make sure that they have not decided who's going to win before they hear the arguments impartiality ding number one isn't that what you crave when you go to your boss and you're telling your boss something don't you want your boss to at least listen and not have in his mind that he's already made up his decision that you're not getting promoted that you're not going to get the assignment that you want to get don't you want to make sure that it's a semi-level playing field you may lose but at least you have a chance to win To me, that is the gold standard of arguing. I've talked about that with any deal I've ever done. If you're going to negotiate a good deal, I'm not guaranteeing I'm going to win the negotiation, but I'm going to guarantee you that I'm not going to start negotiating until I know that there is a path to victory. And for there to be a path to victory, there has to be impartiality. Now, why is this in my head on a random Tuesday? It's not Tuesday, Coca. Six, eight, nine. Why is this in my head on a random Monday morning? 
is because a lot is going on in the Supreme Court of the United States. And we talked about the Roe v. Wade and the fact that it is imminently going to be overturned. The draft opinion by the Supreme Court Justice Alito is going around. And we heard from another Supreme Court justice yesterday, and it blew my mind. His name is Clarence Thomas. He's a black Supreme Court justice. He's been around for, what is it, Coca, 25 years? And he is part of the conservative side of the court. And he gave a talk when he wanted to address what happened with the leak. So you see what, what's happening with the leak? Even the leak is getting politicized. People on the right are so upset about the leak, they just want to spend all their time catching the people who did the leaking. The people on the left are saying, I really don't give a flying rat's ass about the leak. I'm far more concerned that what was leaked shows that power of choice, the power of control by a woman over body is going to disappear. But let's not quibble. Each of us has something we're trying to get better. So Clarence Thomas gets up and he says, I think what happened at the court is tremendously bad, referring to the leak of the document. It was, should have been unthinkable. Then he said, when you lose that trust, especially in the institution that I'm in, it changes the institution fundamentally. Please listen to that again. This, Because this applies to your family and your workplace. When you lose that trust, especially in the institution that I'm in, the Supreme Court, it changes the institution fundamentally. Now, you can, when you lose that trust, especially in the relationship I'm in, it changes the relationship fundamentally. When you lose that trust with your friend, especially in the friendship we're in, it changes the friendship fundamentally. You can put any word you want there. It's not about the Supreme Court. Trust. He then said you begin to look over your shoulder. It's like kind of an infidelity that you can explain it, but you can't undo it. I'm going to let that marinate and then leave it go. He continued, I wonder how long we're going to have these institutions at the rate we're undermining them. Clarence Thomas said that government institutions must not allow themselves to be strong-armed into delivering outcomes that people demand. Yahtzee. He said the quiet part out loud. Clarence Thomas said that government institutions should not allow themselves to be strong-armed into delivering outcomes that people demand. That means when you're voted into something, you are allowed to be so impartial and not act at the will of the people who voted you in, not act with the platforms that were used to get you in. Supreme Court justices somehow are voted in for life, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, whether they're conservative or liberal, it's a lifetime appointment. Someone had a great line this weekend, the only people who should have lifetime appointments are dictators. But I got to thinking about Clarence Thomas's lifetime appointment and then it made me think about a case that he's involved in because he has a lifetime appointment. You see, Clarence Thomas is married to someone named Virginia. You can call her Ginny. Ginny has been involved in a lot of the events leading up to January 6th, has been very open and public about her desire to have the election delegitimized and bring Trump back into power. And there have been lawsuits that have been brought including some that went all the way to the Supreme Court, like Trump versus Thompson back in January of 22. 
Clarence Thomas has not once stood up and said, I am going to follow 28 U.S.C. Section 455. Huh? Coca, I'm going to explain it. Can we give our audience the benefit of the doubt, please? Can we? And I know you know it, but I'm going to read it. Any justice judge or magistrate judge of the United States is required to disqualify himself in any proceeding in which his impartiality might reasonably be questioned or under circumstances in which their spouse is known by the judge or justice to have an interest that could be substantially affected by the outcome of the proceeding. Now, the second part of that is if you're a judge and someone's before you in a court and your company, there's a company suing another company and your wife works for the company that is suing and the judge would say, well, if, if this lawsuit, you know, gets a billion dollar judgment, my wife owns 10% of the company. Wow, that's $100 million. We can finally get that house up in the Adirondacks. I'm not sure I can be the judge. I'm going to recuse myself for I cannot be impartial. But the words and the lines above that are far more informative in this case. When impartiality might reasonably be questioned. Do you think that with what Clarence Thomas's wife is doing, that someone could reasonably question whether Clarence Thomas could be impartial on issues relating to January 6th and the insurrection and what happened that day and the events leading up to it with the evidence that has already come out of how his wife was involved? Is there a question? We don't know if any laws were broken. Not sure. Don't know whether she was aware or really wanted the government to be overthrown, wanted Trump to be back in versus Biden. We're not talking about any of that. What we're talking about is, can we sit here today and say, Judge Clarence Thomas, sir, I'm questioning whether or not you can be partial. Clarence Thomas has decided that he has no conflict of interest. He has no reason to recuse himself at all. Why would he? Ginny, if you're listening, could you just pass on this one little note to Clarence that he's so concerned about what's happening to the fundamental existence of the Supreme Court because of a leak when the fact is that what is far more dangerous to the Supreme Court, which by the way, does not have to follow that code that I read you. That is for all judges, not Supreme Court justices. Supreme Court justices are supposed to be above all that. They're supposed to self-regulate, self-police. They're supposed to recuse themselves just because they should because they are the highest court in the land. But when it's so blatantly obvious, you'd think the self-policing would be simple. So Clarence, as you close your eyes tonight and think about this past weekend and think about where this country is going, where it's been, where it is, what your role is, what your court's role is, don't forget the fundamentals. The fundamentals are that for your court to be respected the way you want it to be respected, it's not supposed to be political and it's not supposed to be partial. He's not going to change. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what I did on maybe last week, Friday, Thursday, Wednesday. 
I went to see a play on Broadway that you've all heard of, and I'm going to give you quite the review. And when we, that was not very smooth, Coca. Okay, ready? Three, six, nine. Thank you. When we come back, I'm going to review a Broadway play I saw, and it's going to be interesting to hear the difference between the way you think of the play and the way the play actually is. It's about baseball, and we'll get to our picks of the day. We'll be right back. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's a Monday, bit of a serious manic Monday. A lot of Game 7s, four Game 7s yesterday, which should have been more exciting than they were. The basketball Game 7s were... I don't even know what to say. We'll talk about them after because I got to get to the review because I watch a movie every day, but I also watch TV series. I discovered a series this weekend and I had not seen one episode. It's a series called This Is Us. I've now watched two episodes because I had a plane ride and I had watched a bunch of movies, but I just saw it on Hulu and I said, my God, I've heard maybe they've won some awards. I'm going to start it. I've now watched two episodes. I cannot believe what I'm watching. I have about 103 to go. They're about 40 minutes each, so let's just say 85 hours to go, so I'm taking off the rest of the week, and I'm gonna do a 20 to 24 hour a day binge of This Is Us. Nah, I'll be here tomorrow. So there's a play called Take Me Out on Broadway. The reason why you may have heard of it is because Jesse Williams from Grey's Anatomy is in it, and you get to see his penis. Yeah, shock value. Jesse Tyler Ferguson, Tony nominated for Modern Family, he's in it. No, he doesn't get naked. The guy from Suits reminds me, hey, who's in the Traveling Wilburys? Oh, that's right, George Harrison, Tom Petty, Elton John, and the guy from ELO. Jeff Lynn, but people always call him the guy from ELO. And the guy from Suits is also in this play. Do you know what Take Me Out is about? It's Take Me Out to the Ball Game. It's about a team that you're supposed to think is the New York Yankees. They're in the clubhouse the whole The whole movie takes the whole movie. The whole play is seven male actors. They're all teammates plus a manager and a business manager. And there's a player who is biracial, has a black mother and a a white father, or the other way around. It's the opposite of Jeter, so I can't remember whichever it is. And this player comes out as gay, and he's the best player on the team. His name is Derek. Wait a minute, is that, that's funny. Is that his first name in the play? Coca, can you check to see right now, is it Derek Lemming? Or am I just thinking about Derek Jeter? It's a, it's a Broadway play called Take Me Out, played by Jesse Williams. I don't have the playbill with me, so I can't tell you whether or not it is. And I don't know if you can hear me right now, but if you can, see if he, the, the character's name is Derek. In any case, it is a play that everybody wants to see because of the penises. I wanted to see it 
because of the acting and the story. It's about baseball. It's about a clubhouse. Darren, thank you. I, I figured they wouldn't go that close. I mean, they've already gone so close. My guess is if, if you do the research, if someone wants to do the research, my guess is that Darren has the exact opposite of Derek in terms of which of the parents is black and which of the parents is white. I think Derek's father is black and mother is white. So my guess is they did the opposite with Darren in this play. So you wouldn't think that it was Derek Jeter who they're talking about, but whatever, who cares, right? I've been in clubhouses for 18 years. You just, things happen. No one cares. But in this play, when Darren comes out as gay, it sets off a chain of events inside the clubhouse. And what the writer is trying to do is to let you inside behind the curtain where so many people want to be, right? They want to know what happens in a clubhouse. Well, I can tell you. The first thing that happens in a clubhouse is that there are group showers. That is true. Nobody's attacking anybody in the showers when they're naked. That's not true. Fights happen between players in the clubhouse. True. Discussions happen once the fights are over to make sure that it stays in the clubhouse and doesn't get brought out onto the field. True. You can win games with the clubhouse of players who do not like each other. True. So there's a lot to take me out that is not accurate, but there's a lot that is accurate, and it's a limited run through June 11th. But the reason why this play has gotten so much attention is because of the penises. There are scenes in the shower. They literally, part of the set is they bring down shower heads, and there's actual water that comes out, and these big strapping men, they're not going to shower in their skivvies because they're going to shower in what they always shower in. There are naked guys in the clubhouse all the time. But the problem is that Somebody took unauthorized video, released that video out into the Twitter world, and it was such a violation of the relationship between audience and actor on Broadway. It's supposed to be a far more intimate setting and safe where, where actors can engage with their audience on a nightly basis. And believe me, every night is different. The play is different every night. There's a subtlety that's different. There's a line that's missed. There's a block that's missed, a cue that's missed, and the audience doesn't know unless you go every day. But when that relationship gets broken, it ruins it for everyone else. And so I'm watching Take Me Out, and I'm, I'm looking around. You have to put your phone in a locked case. I think it's that thing invented by Dave Chappelle, by the way, Coca. You put your phone in a case so you can't use it. It's totally locked, and it can only get unlocked after the play. You don't even get it during halftime. And intermission, excuse me, that's funny. I call it halftime, it's actually intermission. Somebody snuck in a phone, took the video, and... So people had an advanced preview of whether or not Jesse Williams was Jewish and from the waist down. And so the scene happens, his clothes come off, he jumps in the shower and there's sort of an audible gasp in the crowd, but it's, it's masked by silence and discomfort. You're looking down below the border when you wanna listen, you wanna hear, you wanna not look like you're looking down, but you are looking down. You wanna just look down for a minute like it's some sort of solar eclipse, but then you look so long that you think you're gonna go blind. It's normal, folks, everybody's doing this. But that comes at the most important part of the play from a prose standpoint, from a character arc standpoint, from a moving the story along standpoint. It is so important that during the time you're seeing Jesse Williams, that you're listening to him, that if you spend so much time gawking, what ends up happening is you miss one of the main parts of the play that makes the rest of it just a little bit confusing. 
why do we live in a place that it's still so crazy to see a penis? Now, granted, because of my job and what I've done in my life in clubhouses, it's just normal, right? It's just, what's the big deal? Maybe because he's on Grey's Anatomy? Could that be it? I don't know. But take me out if you can get tickets and you can, don't go see Take Me Out because you want to be part of the rush of people who want to see nude guys. Go see Take Me Out if you want to see something well-written with a very important point that is applicable to 2022. Don't go see Take Me Out if you want to know exactly what happens in clubhouses. Just come to nothing personal. Okay. Did you watch the game sevens? I wanted the Bucks to win so badly. You know I love the Bucks. Do you ever watch a game where you just know what the outcome is going to be? When your team is up 10 early in a basketball game and you know that it's about as meaningless as, as hitting a good first golf shot and saying, oh my God, I'm going to get a birdie. Right? There's so much ground left to cover that it's ridiculous to start getting excited too early. Like the premature, irrational exuberance is so significant in that instance. So the Celtics are hitting shots in ways that when you hit shots, you just say to yourself, we're going to lose. In baseball, that happens when there's duck farts or when there are errors that happen or things that happen just too many times during the course of a game where you can withstand one of them. But when they happen back to back to back, inning to inning to inning, your view is that's just this game. We're going to lose this game. Now, in baseball, I never felt that we were totally out of a game because you could always have an eight-run eighth because there's no clock. But in a game with a clock you know that you're gonna run out of time and you can't buy more time. It's not like there's extra time like in the Liverpool game I watched this weekend. So the Celtics hit shots. That's it, the Bucks go home. They can't defend their title. All my wait to sees, poof. Wait to sees when I tell you something's gonna happen and then I revisit it, even when I'm wrong. How many people, did you watch the network yesterday who did the Bucks-Celtics game? It's so good. So. Before the, seat, before the series, I had the Celtics beating the Bucs, but I got the Bucs not being able to lose two in a row. So I'm going to go with the Bucs, and if they lose, I pick the Celtics anyway. If the Bucs win, the Celtics win. Either way, I'm a winner. And then they don't hear about it again when they're losers. I told you on July 21st of 2021, almost a year ago, that the Milwaukee Bucks were going to repeat as NBA champions. I really believe that if they had beaten the Celtics, that they would have been in the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> we lost that way to see. And then just last week, I told you the Bucks would beat the Celtics in this series. April 29th, Bucks over Celtics. Nope, that's another way to see that didn't work. No. So now my wait to see is about the NBA. You've got the conference finals starting tomorrow. It's very, very many people in Florida, by the way, are very disappointed that the Panthers and the Heat are playing on the same days. Mostly people in the media who want to cover both. And with my, my Aunt Fritzie used to say, with one tuchus, you can't be at two dances. Tuchus means tushy, and she's right, meaning you can only be where you are. So try to be present and enjoy where you are, because if you're where you are and you're too busy trying to get to where you're not, You end up not enjoying where you are and also not enjoying where you're not because you're not there. It's like having three TVs in front of you trying to watch three games and you end up watching zero games. You miss every play in every game. I was at a bar watching the Mavericks, watching the Rangers, and the Rangers scored in overtime while I'm looking at the Mavericks. 
Anyway, my wait to see for today, which is May 16th, 2022, is the Milwaukee Bucks. Nope. <laughs> Click one more down, Coca. Four, six, nine. My wait to see for May 16th, 2022. Get ready. The Golden State Warriors will face the Boston Celtics in the NBA Finals. I've got the Celtics over the Heat. I've got the Warriors over the Mavericks. The Mavericks won by 69 points yesterday. Maybe it was 89 points. I've never seen anything like it. The Suns couldn't shoot the same way the Bucks couldn't shoot. The Mavs couldn't miss the same way the Celtics couldn't miss. And it was a blowout. Two game seven blowouts in the NBA. That just makes, when you're an executive in the NBA and you've got two game sevens and you've got Giannis going, you've got Luka going, you've got Jason Tatum going, you're expecting two good games. You're praying for two good games because it's going to, raise the interest level for the conference finals, which are the next round, and then building to a crescendo in the NBA finals. And both game sevens were a a total dud. Of course, I still watched every single pitch. Play. Shot. Nothing personal pick of the day. We have not had a pick since last Thursday because I hope you listened to the Friday show. I didn't get the numbers yet from Coca. But we did a show Friday, a sit-down with Drew Robinson, that I really, Drew showed some serious ability to answer honest questions, some serious vulnerability. His, his, uh, his openness was somewhat staggering, so you want to check out that show from Friday. But our last pick was Thursday when we said the Mavs are going to force a game seven. They did. We are now 60-48, and 48, which is decent. No NBA today. I'm going back to baseball because I want to talk a little bit about Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols is back in Cardinal Red. We know this. Albert Pujols is a shell of the player he used to be. He's still playing for the love of the game. He wants to retire at the end of this year, going to the Hall of Fame, same time as Yadier Molina, longtime teammate, and Adam Wainwright. In theory, they could all go in first ballot if they all retire at the end of this year, which I think is going to happen, and that would be an unbelievable thing for Cooperstown because that season, when, when it's election time during the summer, it's going to be insane, to say the least, but that's not going to be for five years. So Pujols did a game yesterday. The Cardinals were crushing the Giants. And Albert Pujols went into the ninth inning. He had never pitched before, and he pitched. And I wanted to just tell you that players, there are some position players, we ask them all in spring training, right? We just say we're keeping a list because we got to keep it handy. Who's naughty? Who's nice? And are you available if we need you to pitch? Either if we're getting blown out or we're doing the blowing out, we don't have enough arms And so we just want to know. Albert Pujols, when you are in that position, we would say to our veterans, you're doing it. Now, if you're a veteran in year four of a 10-year deal, you're not pitching. If you are in the final year of a deal, we're asking you to pitch. If you have... If you have free agency pending and we know we're not going to sign you, you're pitching. If you are a superstar like Albert Pujols, who is not playing on to next year, you're pitching. Now they're going to ask him first because he's earned that, but he said yes. So did you see him on the mound against the Giants? He is going to go down in history now with, I don't think he'll pitch again this year. He gave up a bunch of home runs. I think his ERA is now 32 because he did get three outs. So I don't know how many runs he gave up. I guess he gave up three runs. Why wouldn't he have an ERA of 27 then? 
If you pitch one full inning and give up three runs, your area is 27. Where's the box score of that, Coca? What is Pujols' ERA of the Giants-Cardinals game? If you give up four runs, why wouldn't that be a 36 ERA? Hmm. Interesting. So, we'll get you that math in a minute. So that was the second most exciting thing that happened for me yesterday. And I want to end the show with something that made me smile. Here goes Pujols. His ERA is 36, so he gave up four runs. Nine times four. Did you know that's how earned run, earned ERA is calculated? If you get one out and you give up a run, then the assumption is that you're going to give up a run for every out, right? So your ERA is going to be, that's three runs an inning, right? Nine times three, 27. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Did you watch the Reds game? Did you read about the Reds game? Something happened in baseball. I was with someone yesterday, and they said what happened yesterday has never happened before. And we said, nope, everything's happened before in baseball. It turns out yesterday was the sixth time that a team threw a no-hitter and lost the game. The Cincinnati Reds, bless their soul, they did not give up one hit to the Pittsburgh Pirates. They go into the ninth inning tied at zero. It's unbelievable the game that Hunter Green is having, that really highly tattered prospect whose ERA is like in the sixes, who is has throws at 125 miles an hour. He's got decent secondary stuff, but just he's young. It happens. Not everyone can dominate first year up. So he's having a great game. He gets pulled. It's going to be a combined no-no, but the offense can't do anything. All of a sudden, you get a walk. No problem. That's not a hit. Walk. No problem. That's not a hit. Walk. No problem. Bases loaded. One out. Let's just get a double play. We're going to play halfway, which is double play depth, which is we're in at the corners and we're sort of even with the bag at second and short. Ground ball. Plop, plop, plop. They go for the double play. They don't get the double play. It was the bottom of the eighth. Sorry, Coca. They don't get the bottom. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) They don't get the double play and Pittsburgh scores a run on a force out. No hits. Pittsburgh won the game 1-0. Their score, box score, one run, no hits, no errors. 1-0-0. I hadn't seen that in years. It had been like 2008 with the Dodgers. So everyone, of course, is going on, going on and on on social media saying this is so typical. This is normal. This is how it rolls when you're the Cincinnati Reds. Meanwhile, they're not looking around at all the other crappy teams. It's not just the Reds. People should be more upset with the Tigers right now than the Reds. The Reds don't have a good team. The Tigers have a good team, and they have very similar records. People should be upset about the Red Sox, who have a similar record to the Reds and have a payroll that is four times the size. But people are piling on the Reds. And when you're an executive of the Reds, I, I, I was imagining what you know Phil Castellini was thinking. Like, this can't be happening. Is it possible that we are not going to get credit for a no-hitter and we're going to add a loss to our ledger? It can't be. It doesn't cost them any business. It really doesn't. It doesn't make people in the industry say, oh, the Reds are worse or better, or oh, what a crappy team, or what bad luck. When you lose a game like that, and you're the Cincinnati Reds, you know what the players do at the end of that game? They get dressed, they go home, and then they come back for their next game. You know what the Pirates do who won one game by one run on no hits? They do the same damn thing. All of the extra talk that we do and all of, oh my God, how's this going to impact them? And all the articles, this is a huge problem when there's no fans in the stands, when they're not getting hits and blah, 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 blah. Horse hockey. The players get dressed and go home. It's just business for them. This is nothing personal. 